Hey, what's up? It's me, David, host of the First Four Years podcast. Carving out your own path as a creative professional or an entrepreneur is not just a simple to follow process. It's an unfolding journey of self-discovery, learning, and development. So think of this podcast as a journal of that process, what it's really like in the early phase of starting out and building your own path as a creative today. And if you're coming with me on that journey, let's take that next step forward. Welcome to the first four years. Sian, what's going on? Hi, what's up? <laughs> I feel like uh, we chat like every month, so it's yeah. sort of like we're catching up, but now it's just on air. Yeah, pretty much. Just recording it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so for those of you that don't know, Sian um, is actually based in New Zealand, and I thought it'd be fun for me to sort of bring up how I first came across your work. I'm not sure if you know this or not. I think we talked about it one time, but I came across Sian's website uh, probably like two years ago. And one, the design was killer. Uh, Sian was a freelance graphic designer at the time. Um, the design was killer, but the copy was so good. And I remember just like hitting your website and being like, oh my God, like this copywriting is phenomenal. Um, and you totally have this sort of like not give a fuck attitude, which is awesome. But the funny thing is, I remember we chatted about it and I was like, I think I emailed you and I was like, the copy on your website's amazing. We should chat. And then you're like, oh, I, I hired my friend Hillary to do the copy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how I actually met Hillary, who did copywriting for Death to Stock. But it was just yeah. funny. And I mean, the design was great and I love your work regardless. But it was just funny because I remember that's sort of like, within like a minute of being on your site, I was like, I have to reach out to this person. Yeah. That's was that, was that like how many, uh, I guess how long, so that was maybe two years ago, I think. And you were, yeah. uh, basically a, a freelance graphic designer, right? Yeah. And yeah, how long, yeah. how long do you think you'd been doing that for, um, I guess prior to that? Um, well, I think it was this year, this year in February, was five years since I started my business. Um, so yeah, I've been doing it probably a couple of years when you found me maybe. Yeah. What iteration, if you have any memory of this, do you know what like iteration of website that was that I saw? I honestly can't remember. I think it would have been, that was definitely the first time I hired a copywriter. So that was obviously like when I decided to like see me get my shit together. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. It was probably yeah, at least like, a handful I can't yeah. remember but yeah it would have been yeah like obviously like a more decent version update than previous ones if I'd finally got a copywriter so yeah yeah because I think I think like when you start out it's funny because just every time you look backwards and you look at your work you're just like that was so terrible <laughs> like every year <laughs> yeah, you look back yeah, and totally. you're like what was I thinking <laughs> so I just think you know at that point you had crafted you'd gotten to a point where you could actually craft something um, at least that I thought was like really great. And it really stood out to me. I um, mean, I think your brand voice really sh stands out and clearly Hillary did a good job kind of capturing that. And we can get into that in a little bit, but I actually don't know this. What were you doing before you were uh, a graphic designer on your own as a freelancer? Um, before that I was a graphic designer for like a sign writing kind of yeah I guess like a sign writing print company in Sydney in Australia I think I, I was there for 
almost two years before I quit just to do my own thing. So I didn't really have that much experience like doing a real job before I decided to start my own business. Were you uh, sick of the job? What was it? uh, Were you just sort of, you always had the itch? Like what was it that made you think like, I'm going to do this on my own? Yeah, it was kind of funny because I've like, going in or like when I finished studying design and like getting a job and stuff like self-employment like never occurred to me at all like it was probably only like maybe a year into working full-time that I like started to realize how much I hated it and that's when I kind of started getting more into like just reading blogs and social media and stuff and that's when I started finding people who were freelancers or self-employed and I was like oh shit that's pretty cool like maybe I could do that. And then eventually, like, I got so sick of my job that I just, like, was, like, super close to just losing my shit at everyone. I was like, okay, this is not good. (laughs) So then that's when I was, like, I wanted to, like, make a go of it and just do my own thing because I was so sick of, like, being told what to do and, like, being told how much money I could earn and all of that. So Was there somebody, like, online that you found or who was your introduction? I'm curious, like, and if you can remember back sort of what you thought like back then, cause obviously I think it's probably different now, but yeah. um, when you were first introduced to like, okay, so you're starting to like dislike your job. You're starting to be like, I'm about to go crazy yeah. on everybody here. Um, and then you find some people online who sort of maybe show you that other path. Like, do you remember who that was? And also maybe what um, the idea sort of was at that time or like what you were thinking yeah, like I think it was partly because I started blogging and I that's kind of how I started picking up freelance work because other people found my blog and they were like, oh, your design's really cool. Can you design shit for me? And I was like, yeah, sweet. So quite a bit of the inspiration and motivation there came from the clients, like the people that I was working with. And they weren't even necessarily like self-employed at that stage either. Like they were kind of in the same position as me, like just had a full-time job doing the side gig, like blogging and stuff. And they, just the stuff they wrote about was like really, it wasn't too like spiritually woo-woo, but it was kind of like just saying that things don't have to be how they've always been or how you think they have to be. Like you can kind of live your own life sort of thing. So that was part of it. And then I found just other designers and bloggers, like one person I'm friends with her now, but Shauna from Nubby, Twigler, I don't know if you know her. Yeah, yeah, I think my um, girlfriend likes her yeah. designs a lot, yeah. But yeah, she's awesome. Um, and I was, fo- I remember following her for like way before I had my job, like when I was studying design even. So she, her, she was a big inspiration as well. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a mix of stuff. Yeah, well, and I think one kind of important point then is that you actually had some clients on the side, it sounds like, before yeah. you um, decided to go full-time freelance, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was for about, there was a period of about six months from when I like first started picking up freelance and then six months later around then was when I like fully quit my job. So yeah. Did you, did you have enough uh, clients to actually do that full time or was it something where like you were starting to get work? And then you were seeing like, okay, maybe I can actually make this happen. But even though I don't have a replacement of my current salary, you know, maybe I should uh, go, go ahead and just give this a go. Yeah, it was pretty much that. Like I just noticed that I started like 
picking up more client work and then I was just like getting so close to losing it at my job and I knew that I had one client um, that I just started working with and she had a pretty massive business and like nothing was really like professionally designed and we totally vibed and like she was just a total dream client so I kind of knew and she'd like talk to me about future projects and stuff so I knew there was like quite a bit of future work with her if I like did it right um so yeah I kind of I had like I think at the time I had like two grand in the bank like that was it and I was like fuck it I'm just gonna like go for it and see what happens (laughs) so yeah (laughs) well it's I mean I'd say in some ways I understand like I, I agree there's some element of you know fuck it let's see how it goes but also at the same time like it sort of makes me think just as I'm listening like why not have clients before you jump full-time freelance like I sort of feel like like just thinking about it now and and hearing that I'm like oh yeah like I actually see zero reason why you shouldn't have some type of um runway there before you jump out on your own um so I want to switch up and and talk some about style because I think you know the reason your site stood out to me I think was the copywriting, like I said, but also like you have a very distinct style and a lot of times it seems like it takes people a long time for that to happen. It sounds like when you had your blog, maybe that was where you were designing for yourself instead of designing for clients. Is that kind of the case? And like, how did you like, you're like one of the few people that like, I don't think you, everybody sort of borrows ideas and sort of copies the people whose work they enjoy and that's how they learn and grow. And like, I sort of feel like you have your totally own style. Like I can't name a single other designer that I'd be like, oh yeah, Sian like took some inspiration from that. (laughs) So I don't know if there's just like any insight about um, having your own voice, having your own style that you'd want to share. And maybe you think I'm totally sort of wrong in that assessment of like, I can't point to other people. Maybe I just haven't seen, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess it's such an interesting topic. I think for me, like I've written about a few times, but a massive like turning point for me was when I was doing that full-time job living in Sydney and I was like hating it. But at the time, like, I don't know if they do it like all around the world, but the Apple store in Sydney had these like really cool, like creative talks where they just get like industry people from like creative like industries or tech to like come and do talks and they're like totally free so I went to one and it was with these people from a design studio I think it was called Toko in Sydney and they were from I can't remember where they're from like Sweden or somewhere up there and they were talking about how different their approach to design was from everyone like kind of on this side of the world and they their whole thing was that they didn't get inspired by like any design at all like they didn't own any design books or like look at any blogs, they didn't really care what anyone else was doing. And until then, like I'd never even considered that. Like I'd always just had like huge folders of like design inspo on my computer and everything. Um, So after I saw that, I was like, damn, that's pretty sick. And their work was like so good. And like you said, it was, it was like super unique and you could tell that they weren't really like going with trends or like trying to rip other people off. Um, So that was like a massive turning point for me I guess do you Um, do you have like inspiration now like do you do you have any routine because I I think it's really common yeah and so you still sort of browse 
yeah, every totally. day, every week. Um, like Pinterest and stuff. Like I'm mm-hmm. totally into that. But I think and one other thing I try to do is like I try not to follow, like actively follow any designers or like really creative people because I know that if I did, I would either just like compare myself to them all the time or I would just kind of maybe subconsciously like copy what they were doing. So I try to be really conscious of like where – who I follow and like what design I look at, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, Totally. And I think one thing that I suppose I've noticed as well is it seems like you're really good about taking breaks, taking vacation, uh, which is actually rare. I think it's funny that like, that's actually something that's sort of rare. Um, But I would guess that that's sort of part of your inspiration process. And um, I don't know if, if that's something you've always done or if you realize that, travel while fun was also really good for your business, I suppose. And, um, is that kind of the case? And also, uh, do you want to talk about just travel and sort of how that fits in? Because, um, it seems like it's sort of a part of your brand. Yeah, totally. Well, I guess like kind of travel was like a big part of why I wanted to work for myself as well, because I just wanted to be able to take my laptop and go wherever I wanted, like most of the work we do, like all you need is some Wi-Fi and laptop and you're pretty much good. So I just love that, not being like locked down to any one particular place. Um, But I think it's like, I mean, it's only natural, I think, to be able to, like you can't be in 24-7 creation mode. Like there's got to be like like zones of it, right? Like you kind of – go hard make some stuff and then you take a break because you got to get perspective from all the shit you've just made or like what you want to do like I think it's like you have to be able to step back and that's kind of helps where where your best work comes from Mm -hmm. I think because if you're just so in it all the time like you have no perspective or anything (laughs) no that's a great (laughs) point I'm just gonna even repeat that if you're in it too much you lose the perspective because you're sort of you're very narrow in your focus, whereas maybe ideas and inspiration comes from having a really broad and open focus. I can't remember who talked about this before, but somebody basically said that like creativity is being open. Um, And I thought that was just a killer point. Actually, I think it was uh, my friend Hillary, who's also on the show who said that, which was a great point. Um, So that actually segues nicely into what I wanted to ask you, uh, which was a previous episode that I recorded And I know that we've talked about this before, and I think that's why it'd be fun to just discuss. Um, I'm not saying either of us have any answers, but I think there's this tension that sort of comes up for pretty much everybody who's creating, which is, should I just go with my gut and just like make the shit that I want to make? Or should I like really do my diligence and talk to customers, do surveys, get data? Like, should I make something that I know the market quote unquote says they want, or should I just like make something that I feel like making? And it's kind of like the same question of, um, working when you're inspired versus just like making it happen, I guess. And that's what I talked about in a previous episode. And, um, I'm curious, like from a very sort of high level in your career. So just for some reference for everybody else listening, CN was a full-time graphic designer, um, but she's also come out with some digital products. She has an email list that is very vibrant, I guess, and um, a lot of people follow that. And so she sort of started to stretch beyond um, just 
freelance graphic design. And I, I think even you've sort of been on pause mostly with that um, to try to focus on creating this digital magazine. Um, and so I guess I just want to hear maybe to kick off this conversation, like at a high level, how has that ebbed and flowed for you where you're making something you want to make, but then you're also trying to have conversations with customers, do research. Um, you know, I, I just think there's so many different people out there telling you that you have to do one or the other. Um, and it's like, and clearly neither way is maybe right, but yeah. What's sort of your first take on that? I think like the number one thing is like whichever, whatever you're making, like you have to be stoked about it, like on some level yourself. Cause that's like the first thing people notice, like whether it's a very like calculated product that you've talked to customers, you know, it's going to sell all that shit, or it's just something you want to do. Like either way, I think that you have to be stoked on it. Cause otherwise people can pick up on that and it's not going to, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, but yeah, it's such an interesting topic. I love like hearing what other people have to think about it as well. Cause it's, I feel like there's no right answer. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think there's probably even multiple ways to, to sort of approach what we're talking about here. And so I guess yeah. like to even give more explanation, I think there's some schools of thought that there's like the inventor, right? And they are yeah. somebody who's like, they wake up in the middle of the night and they have this idea and they're like, I'm going to create the segue or whatever. And that's yeah. like what leads that innovation is just this thought, this combination um, it's like a scooter, but you stand on it and it's like, I'm just going to make this. Um, and then there's kind of this school of thought of like, and this is, I think, pushed pretty heavily in the startup world, probably because they have investment, which makes people want to de-risk sort of the situation, which is yeah. you should be doing user testing. You should be having conversations with customers. You want to do all this research. And even someone like a Procter & Gamble is very good at this, where they will do hours and hours and like, you know, years essentially of research and then they'll come out with a different broom handle and they'll realize that that yeah. is, um, you know, what will be sort of successful in the market. And so I think clearly both options can kind of work. But um, one thing that I've kind of thought about is sort of the middle way of doing things. Um, and that's kind of what the Lean Startup, uh, which you can look up online. If you haven't heard of that before, the Lean Startup by Eric Ries. The school of thought for Lean Startup is sort of a blend of the two. And the idea is you put out the quickest possible test of whatever it is that you're working on. Then you do the research after that. So if we're, if we're using the Segway example, you know, I would as quickly as possible build, um, you know, two tires and just something to stand on with like a pole and be like, how does this feel? Is this interesting? Would you stop walking if you could ride this all the time? Um, so you start your your research process um, after you've launched something small. And I'd say for me, I suppose, like looking at my kind of history with this, I'd say the death to stock was definitely, the first move was definitely just like inspiration. It was just like, I think people need this. I think this will be helpful. I'm just going to make it and like start going with it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe a year or two in, you almost become a bit more conservative. And then, like I said, I think a lot of the research is about, quote unquote, de-risking the situation. So you say to yourself, if I just talked to a lot of people and they tell me they want this, then uh, 
this is going to be more likely to be successful. Yeah. And I'd say in some ways, like even looking back and doing that, in some ways, I think sometimes research is sort of a way to hide from actually making stuff. Yeah, um, I was going to say, because yeah. I think sometimes like going into something, like I don't know if it's like almost being kind of naive, but like not in a bad way, like just kind of being like, I don't care about anything else. Like I'm just going to do this thing and see what happens. Like I think that can definitely like work in your favor. Yeah, and I think the naivete part is important because it actually lets you think um, outside the rules a little bit. Um, there's a, yeah, exactly. a VC in Columbus named Rich Langdell, and he says that best formula for an entrepreneur is uh, ignorance and no money, um, because basically you <laughs> yeah. just invent solutions that nobody else thought of, and you do it in a scrappy way. Um, so I think, yeah, totally, I agree. Um, you know, I knew I, I actually knew basically nothing about the stock photo industry um, other than I felt like it was broken um, and had some yeah. ideas for maybe uh, how I thought it could be fixed. But but definitely, I mean, so maybe this is a different way of approaching it a little bit, but um, is there a time where you did research and it worked or didn't work? Um, probably recently. When did I do it? So I like launched a business toolkit was it last month but I've been working on it for a long time like probably since the start of this year um and that was one thing that I did like a bunch of research like behind the scenes and I did like a beta test and everything and I feel like it kind of worked but it kind of didn't but I think there was on my part like I took way too long to create the content so that was there was a bunch of stuff I could have done differently but when I launched the beta test it sold out like so fast and I think so yeah I think there was some parts of that I did right um but that was pretty interesting because I have never done really like hardcore feedback and testing and beta testing like that before and did you actually have conversations with uh potential customers whether it was a survey or you actually talked to them on the phone yeah I did like I did a bunch of surveys and then I hit up like maybe I don't know, between like five and 10, I talked to on Skype. Um, I think this was all before I launched the beta test as well. So yeah, I did quite a bit of like just talking to people and asking them like what they needed help with and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And going back, how would you approach that this time? I'm not sure. I think probably a similar approach, but I would try to do it, like launch it way faster. Like I think I just took way too long to create the content and launch the full product or maybe like I would try to create a way smaller version for the first launch or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't really. No, totally. Yeah. 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 No, I know. I, I think it is like, it's definitely uh, tricky. I mean, I think probably for people, if, if you're feeling really inspired and you're, you really want to make something and it just like feels really good, like, it feels not logical, but it feels exciting. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably worth pursuing because to me, there's yeah. always the question of like, well, what if it does work? Like yeah, exactly. the logical part of you is always mm-hmm. like, well, here's all the reasons that, you know, you haven't talked to customers, you haven't blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, you never know until you put it out. And if it does work, then you've been able to create something really exciting for yourself. Um, but I do think that there's probably this time component of like, most times you can take one step forward without uh, 
that much time going by. Like even the yeah. the two wheels, like with a broomstick segue, could have been built, and you could just like pull people around on it or whatever, and just be like, "This is the yeah. test," you know? Um, yeah, totally. But but yeah, I think for me, I guess like if I had to sort of pick um, pick like a side here, I think the most important thing in my mind for customer research, which is like no matter what you're working on, whether it's a blog, whether you're a graphic designer, um, you know, a podcast, I think just getting like a general understanding of who your work is for and like what their lives are like, I think will always be valuable. So I think when you're doing your testing, if you're getting some insight about just like who these people are, um, I think it's probably the most helpful thing in the long run of research is just like, oh, like I'm understanding more about what it's like to be a freelancer or somebody who doesn't want to walk or whatever. Like I think just that sort of maybe helps just the general insights and creation is the reason to be in contact. And and I kind of want to get to your email list now, um, but the reason to be in contact with people frequently, even if it's not phone interviews about a specific problem is you just start to understand people better. And if you understand people better, you can sell better. You can um, create stuff that matches up with uh, more of what they like. Like, how has your email functioned as um, a method for you to understand who's in your tribe? I guess I just love emails. I'm actually taking a break from my emails at the moment um, for like a month. Um, but I think emails, I don't know, it's just a. I love like getting replies from people or asking people what they think and they can just directly reply. It's not like it's kind of different to social media where like the replies are public and all of that. So I think you get different responses and it's obviously way more personal because you're like directly in someone's inbox. Um, but I don't know. I just find they're awesome to like chat to people and just so they be like, see what they do and like what, they it's interest it's always interesting to see what they resonate with though like which emails get the most replies or whatever um but yeah it's just yeah, fun chatting to you people could, you could almost say that the blog that you kept in the beginning where you were just putting stuff out sort of helped kick yeah. off your freelance career and now that you're looking oh, yeah. at products the email yeah. list is sort of how you um how you moved into the product space yeah pretty much and uh, yeah. w- would you say with starting both of those, like, I think maybe this is a question that some people would have, uh, or that I would guess people would have is just like, okay, so we're talking about a blog, we're talking about an email list, we're talking about how that's helpful. But like, what do I say? Like, what do I post? Um, do you remember what your first blog post was or your first email? Oh man, I have no idea what my first blog post was. I think at the time I just wrote about like, did I write about like travel and just like some random inspirational bullshit probably. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember, do you remember your first email or blog post that seemed like it resonated with people? Like you got responses or like an email or blog post that sort of stood out? Um... There's a bunch of them. There's one that I got heaps of replies and, like, comments everywhere. It was one – it was kind of based on the – that blog that the chick did. What's her name? Jess Lively. It was called Things I'm Afraid to Tell You or something like that. 
have you seen those ones and it's just like where you just basically mm-hmm. like dash on a bunch of shit that you've been like scared for people to know or whatever I can't even remember what I wrote about it was just like just oh wait if I can find it but it was um yeah it was just a bunch of random stuff that I was like I thought people might judge me for or I was scared to tell people or whatever and that was like I got so many replies to that totally well I see why I mean I think the question I asked at first was like, well, yeah, I want to start a blog. I'm hearing that it's important. Well, what do I post? Like, what's my first post? And I think it's yeah. really scary for people. It, ironically, the thing that was most successful or one of the posts that was most successful is probably the thing that's scariest for somebody <laughs> yeah. who's newer <laughs> to, to actually post, right? Like yeah. for whatever reason, we're sort of just frightened to actually do that. And it reminds me of, I saw this uh, tweet like, it's like the best tweet I've seen all year, which is kind of funny, but um, <laughs> it's the guy who runs Plasso, which I think he's a single, uh, it's a one person founder or two person team. Um, it's a payments company. Um, man, I'm blanking on his name right now. I think it's it's Drew. Um, anyways, his tweet was, I, I should totally look this up, but it was basically on, along the lies, uh, lines of, I have zero savings. I think it was like raw, raw tweet. I have zero savings right now. Like I'm living like right on the wire. And it was just amazing to me because he's he has a bunch of apps. He's got a bunch of Mac apps and like props to him because I sort yeah. of thought he was like a developer, <laughs> like crushing it. And I think he is crushing it. And he totally has built an amazing lifestyle for himself. I know he's got a podcast, like he hosts meetups, yeah. like he's got like a great thing going. But to publicly say like, I have $0 in savings right now, was just an amazing thing. And I totally didn't think that about him, but like it made me appreciate him more and like want to engage with him more. And yeah, yeah, it's just sort of saying the thing, like he just said the thing that like nobody's saying that right now, right? Like everybody's saying like- I got six figures and yeah. I'm fucking rolling in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like Drew, if you ever hear this show, props to you. That was like the best tweet I've seen all year. It just was so real and like, he just like put it out there too. It wasn't like he was trying yeah. to, it was just like, Hey, nobody talks about this, but like I have $0 in savings. So I was like, amazing. Um, yeah. awesome. Well, I think, Sick. yeah, I think that was a, a fun discussion on that topic. I don't think there's any clear answers for that. Um, but I'm always excited to see what's next for you. Um, which sort of brings me to, I know you're taking a break from emails right now. Do you have something on the horizon that you want to talk about for a second? And also just where people can find you. Uh, yeah, my website is freshbysian.com, S-I-A-N. Um, what am I working on? I don't really have any new stuff in the works at the moment. I'm just kind of working on my magazine, trying to um, do some new stuff with that. I just launched a print issue of that this month. Um, so I'm looking at doing some more print issues because I would love that. Um so yeah, magazine stuff. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I definitely recommend people check it out. Um, her design style is super unique. Her Instagram is fun to follow. The emails are a blast to follow along with too. Um, yeah, I just enjoy getting all the different uh, stuff that you send out. So, uh, well, thanks so much for jumping on the show. Maybe we'll have to chat again on a different topic. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk sometime soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool, yeah, for sure. Later. See ya.